We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Pop Torah with Rabbi Iznopf and Olitsky, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we look at pop culture from a Jewish perspective and Judaism through the lens of pop culture. As always, I am your co-host, Rabbi Michael Knopf, and alongside me is my co-pilot, Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. Happy to be here with my young Padawan, Mike. <laughs> when we last met, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. We are here, of course, uh, tonight and a live recording with a live studio audience uh, for our podcast in honor of May the 4th, Star Wars Day. May the 4th, Chag Sameach. Uh, at some point, we're going to write the Torah of, uh, of, of Star Wars Day. I've seen some of these memes online about, you know, uh, uh, how many or how much Star Wars that you need to watch during Star Wars Day, uh, whether one is allowed to uh, watch Star Trek on Star Wars Day. Um, then there's the broader kind of culture wars question of whether a Star Trek fan can wish a Star Wars fan happy holidays on Star Wars Day uh, rather than uh, uh, may the fourth be with you. But these are all uh, interesting cultural and religious questions. We're going to get into all of them tonight in this uh, special episode where we talk about the Torah of Star Wars. But first, uh, Jesse, let me just ask you on a personal level, how you doing? How you holding up? Holding up okay. Uh, I think for us in our home the, lately, the reality that uh, it's not likely summer camps will happen with a number of the Jewish sleepaway camps uh, canceling this past week. I think that hit uh, really close to home and my kids really hard. We accepted the reality that school was not going to uh, continue in person for the rest of the school year, and we were holding out hope that uh, if we could get to the summer and they could find joy in the summer, and that would be better. Um, so that was a really challenging couple of days for us this past week. What about you, Mike? Yeah, we're we're basically in the same boat. You know, our our schools have been canceled through the end of the school year. Uh, uh, this was supposed to be our oldest daughter's first summer at uh, Jewish summer camp. Uh, at uh, Camp Ramad de Rome, uh, and uh, Camp Ramad de Rome just uh, just announced that uh, it was going to be closed for the summer. So that was uh, hard news uh, for for her to hear. Uh, you know, so we're we're kind of grappling with, uh, with with this reality too. You know, juggling uh, work and and childcare. Um, you know, uh, people are are struggling in different ways in this time, and um, our struggle in in our household is uh, you know how to. Uh, for both of us to to be staying at work and also uh, be you know uh, full time responsible for for managing young children, maybe educating them a little bit, at least entertaining them somewhat, uh, and uh, and and you know keeping them engaged during during this time and now uh, most likely during the uh, during the entire rest of the summer. Uh, it, it was helpful though that. Uh, the announcement or the news that we shared with our daughter about Camp Ramah closing uh, coincided more or less with the onset of, uh, of, of May the 4th, of Star Wars Day. So we got to uh, uh, balance some of that bitterness with some sweet 
uh, and be able to enjoy uh, some uh, Star Wars as a family. So I, I want to ask you, uh, Jesse, um, how are you celebrating this cog today? What, how are you commemorating Star Wars Day? Um, so we watched something, thanks uh, to uh, streaming services, we watched something that we had not watched yet as uh, a family, the uh, cartoon series Resistance. Uh, that's the cartoon that Star Wars and Disney launched, which is really the bridge from episode six to episode seven. Um, it's it's a, a decent way to fill in the canon. Um, not bad. Uh, and I also began watching the final season of Clone Wars. Um, I was not uh, such a fan of the original Clone Wars uh, series. Uh, much bigger fan, actually, of Rebels. Um, but uh, we started watching Clone Wars as well, and the kids are fans. What about you, Yeah, Mike? so in... Uh, so it, it's so interesting. I felt the same way about the original run of Clone Wars. Uh, I was not a huge fan of it. And I think that part of that, you know, has had to do with with my with my feelings uh, about the prequel trilogy and the relationship of uh, Clone Wars to the prequel trilogy. I liked Rebels a lot more, and I think that a lot of it had to do with the, the fact that I came into my love of Star Wars uh, uh, through my love of the original trilogy, which is the story of the Rebel Alliance. And so this this the storyline of, of Rebels was, was much more initially intriguing to me. Uh, but Clone Wars, I have to say, got extraordinarily good. You said you just started uh, this final season. Um, the, the final arc of this final season, the last episode of it uh, just came out today. So I got to watch it today. One of the ways that I celebrated Star Wars Day today. Uh, that, that final episode, the final four episodes of, of uh, this last season of Clone Wars were just uh, extraordinarily good. Um, maybe something we'll get into uh, over the course of our conversation today, but I think that one of the thing that one of the things that Clone Wars and Rebels does is it sort of complicates the uh, the the light and dark, good and bad uh, dichotomy of the of the Force and the Jedi and the Sith that we're used to from uh, the certainly from the original trilogy, but also the prequel trilogy. Uh, it gets complicated a little bit in the in the Disney trilogy, in the sequel trilogy. Uh, but uh, but nevertheless, the movies uh, are, are very much, you know, this sort of like uh, um, good and bad, black and white dichotomy. And the and, and the TV series, you know, really kind of fleshed that out in much more intriguing ways and uh, and, uh, and 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 complicate the picture. So I, I want to talk about that a little bit later. But the other thing that we uh, did today, we, we also uh, think uh, thanks to Disney Plus, um, we uh, uh, watched the latest. Skywalker Saga movie, the final Skywalker Saga movie, uh, The Rise of Skywalker, which we had all seen before, but we got to watch again. Um, and I have to say, you know, we, we had an episode about uh, The Rise of Skywalker uh, a few months ago, um, and I was not such a huge fan of that movie. I have very conflicted feelings about it. Um, but on each subsequent yeah, I watch, hated it. I, <laughs> on each subsequent watch, I find myself enjoying it more and more. I think there's a lot uh, to like about it. Um, and there is a surprising amount of depth to it uh, that that I think was not initially apparent. So I don't know. We can get into that too. We can we can uh, we we talked a lot about how the Rise of Skywalker retcons uh, the Last Jedi. So maybe we can retcon the Last Skywalker um, or the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, but um, but we can get into that a little bit later. But uh, I also wanted to to ask uh, along the same lines. Uh, what Star Wars have you been watching or rewatching or enjoying lately in addition to whatever you may have been watching today? 
I'm embarrassed to say this um, because uh, I have young children. They're actually fans of the prequel tril trilogy. Um, if you ask my son, the Phantom Menace episode one is one of his favorite Star Wars movies because he loves Darth Maul. He loves the double lightsaber and he loves the racing scene that takes place. Uh, and if you look at that movie, actually from a kid's perspective as a kid's movie, it's not as bad as a movie as I originally thought. Well, that's uh, what George Lucas said to all the ordinary fans at the time. He said, you know, Star Wars was always supposed to be a kid's movie. I made a kid's movie and you just don't like it anymore because now you're adult. So, so we, so we were uh, rewatching the, the prequel trilogy. Um, there are things about it uh, that, I, that I love. Actually, in Attack of the Clones, which is a pretty weak story with a with a weak villain it almost seems like they retconned who the villain was in, in the middle of it but the fight scene the end of attack of, of the clones is amazing uh with all the jedis fighting at once with uh yoda finally getting a lightsaber uh, so that redeems that movie as well so i still found some value in the prequel trilogy I remember seeing uh, Attack of the Clones in, in the theater in, in New York when it first came out. And the, and the theater just erupted when Yoda comes out and uh, has a lightsaber duel with, with Count Dooku. The first time we really ever saw Yoda in action in the, uh, at, by that point, 20 plus years uh, that, that Yoda had been, or 20 years that Yoda had been uh, a character in the Star Wars universe. Um, I, and I think that there was a lot of, cynicism and dismissal of the prequel trilogy um, that actually was not, in my experience, borne out by the, the actual fan reaction when we were seeing those movies in, in the theaters. I think that the, uh, the internet kind of took over the narrative of the prequel trilogy. There is admittedly a lot that's bad about the prequel trilogy, but I also have been rewatching that quite a bit uh, over the past few months. Also because I have young kids who really like the prequel trilogy. Um, and, you know, they, they can say to me all they want that, you know, that uh, Revenge of the Sith is the best Star Wars movie. And I can tell them that they're wrong, but they, they don't listen to me uh, in that as in uh, so many other things. Um, but we were watching Revenge of the Sith uh, a couple of nights ago. My, uh, my daughter had the great idea of having a Zoom sleepover with friends. So she was like in the other room on Zoom with friends. And, uh, and so my son, who's five, uh, wanted to have a sleepover with me. So of course I had a sleepover. He's like, we're gonna fill the room, we're gonna fill your bedroom with pizza boxes and we're gonna watch a movie. <laughs> Those are his words. So we filled my bedroom with pizza boxes. We turned on Disney Plus and fired up Revenge of the Sith. Uh, and I had to say that, you know, the, the storyline of Revenge of the Sith, um, I, I really appreciated the, the dialogue is dreadful. Most of the acting is really bad. Uh, Except for Ewan McGregor, McGregor yeah. <laughs> Ewan McGregor is like in a totally different, he's like the only one that's actually in a Star Wars movie. Like everybody else is in like, I don't know, the young and the restless in space. Maybe that's like, why he's know. going to get his own Disney Plus series. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, Natalie Portman was salvageable too. And, and you know, a lot of the voice work was good. Uh, but, you know, I, I remember at the time, you know, this is I think some, somewhat interesting to think about, I remember at the time, you know, how much uh, there was written about how Revenge of the Sith, which came out in 2005, I believe, uh, how Revenge of the Sith was a commentary on um, the Bush era and the Iraq war. Uh, and there's this line in it about, you know, Natalie Portman says, Amidala says, um, you know, this is how liberty dies 
with thunderous applause. Um, and uh, that struck me then, and it actually, you know, watching it now kind of made me think about how, how quaint that feeling was, how quaint that time was in, in comparison, uh, and, uh, and, and how prescient, even if the writing is kind of clunky, um, that idea that people can cheer along the decline of a democracy uh, and endorse it and, and embrace the rise of empire uh, and, and, uh, and tyranny um, in, in ways that, that we're seeing, you know, uh, in argu arguably in America and, and all around the world today. Um, so I think that, you know, uh, Star Wars in, in a way, you know, continues to be ahead of its time. Well, I think also what uh, that movie plays out, which we knew since uh, Empire Strikes Back, but, but seeing the transformation of Anakin Skywalker from hero to villain, uh, right, he was this cute little kid in the first movie of the prequel trilogy, and, and, and we all knew what was going to happen to him, and, and yet is uh, still disappointing and somewhat shocking the idea that um, the hero can become the villain, um, and it's so easy for the person who we cheer for to become the person that we boo, the person who we celebrate becomes the person who we fear. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, 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 you know, that's, that's one of the things that I really appreciate about, you know, both Clone Wars and, and Rebels is that, you know, they, they really do complicate the story of, of the Jedi and the Sith. You know, Clone Wars really does this, you know, very explicitly, especially in the final season, where, where they talk about, you know, how, um, you know, the, the Jedi, you know, uh, from the average person's perspective, show kind of like an utter disregard of the well-being of the average person. Um, that's no different than uh, than you know the Imperials ended up doing. You know, so like what the Jedi end up fighting for, you know, is is um, is is much more muddy uh, in in that telling. And I, I remember seeing that and thinking about that as I was watching the Mandalorian too. I actually ended up writing a a, a piece about this um, that that. that ran in the times of Israel right after the rise of Skywalker um, about how the Star Wars narrative kind of reflects some of the tr some of the insights of uh, Hannah Arendt's finality of evil argument right that uh, that that tyranny rises effectively uh, because uh, people encourage it and cheer it on welcome it right that uh, that the people um, uh, people escape from freedom uh, uh, because, uh, because, you know, the, the, the people who claim to be, you know, doing good by them, um, you know, actually have their own interests at heart too. And so like, ultimately what people want is stability and security and, you know, and, 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 uh, and, and well-being and, um, and, and empire can provide that, um, you know, and so I, I think that there's, there's a lot of that, you know, you, you see that in Rogue One, you see that in the Mandalorian. Uh, where uh, you know people uh, are you know people who who sort of are immersed in the the you know tyrannical system of of the empire and who who stand to benefit from it um, are 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 you know much more uh, much more the, the the edifice upon which you know that tyranny is built um, than you know than like the emperor and Darth Vader himself right that, like the, there's only so much that one individual can do or two individuals can do, however strong they are with the force, they need 
infrastructure and enforcers and supporters? Sure. I mean, it's it's the Talma talks about uh, silence being tantamount to consent and the role that bystanders often play um, in perpetuating evil. Um, that uh, when you look at a, a rally, um, for example, a Trump campaign rally, we may say, um, and it's um, the the guilt certainly lies on the speaker on the stage, but you could argue that it lies more with uh, those who are in the stadium because what sometimes happens is that uh, one is just uh, pouring gasoline uh, on, on these sparks on the on the charcoal, uh, but it's everybody else who ends up erupting as a result. Um, Mike, I'd love to, to, to dive into some of the theological questions that we find uh, in the Star Wars films. Uh, we already had a, a question from a member of our studio audience, if you will, um, from, from Dean, uh, who asked, um, what, who, who sent a chat question to me. Um, one, do we think Anakin Skywalker has free will or was he destined to play this role uh, and to become evil in order to eventually redeem everyone, do we see him as a martyr or as a saint in some ways? Oof. What an excellent, excellent question. I'll let you take that uh, first. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so uh, I think that, you know, destiny is obviously one of the big themes of Star Wars, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and there's a question of it, right? There's even, you know, uh, probably one of the greatest things to come out of the prequel trilogy was the John Williams song, Duel of the Fates, right? So fate and destiny um, is, is a big part of the Star Wars mythology. And, and I think that there is a question, you know, how much of uh, what transpires uh, in, in the saga um, is uh, preordained in some way, right? It's you know related to the the, the prophecy of the chosen one, right? That uh, that that sort of drives some of Anakin's story, uh, and how much of it is uh, is you know sort of vague sense of how history might play out, uh, or how how fate might play out, uh, but uh, is is ultimately dependent on the the willing participation of of the of the actors in the drama. Um, honestly, and, and I think that the films bear this out, I think that, that um, Anakin is a free agent in, in, in the drama. I think that Anakin makes a choice to turn to the dark side. Um, it's, not, it, it's certainly a choice that you see uh, a, you know, he has predilection for, right? Um, you know, and, and we all do. I mean, none of us have uh, uh, the, the kind of ultimate freedom that I think people like Maimonides may have envisioned. Right, that we um, that that we're total free actors. Uh, we all have uh, ways in which our freedom is inhibited. Uh, the circumstances in which we're born, uh, the uh, the you know the, the 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 limits of our genetics, any number of things. Uh, you know what we're told and what we're taught by the people around us. Uh, so there are limits to Anakin's freedom, uh, but ultimately he he does. He makes you know at least as per, as is portrayed. In, uh, in, in Revenge of the Sith and, and, and elsewhere, right? he, he makes a choice um, as, a, as a free actor uh, to, uh, to, to embrace the dark side. He does it, you know, the, famously Revenge of the Sith is, is sort of muddied in, in giving Anakin his motivations for 
for joining the dark side, but some combination of a desire for power, um, a desire for control, sure, uh, he, lo- he, love of Padme. Right, right. Um, but I, I think, but what Star Wars is speaking to is the idea that there's always a, a specific reason uh, to be uh, a reason that we desire the dark side. It's certainly selfish in, in nature, but it's, um, I think when somebody chooses darkness uh, over light, they're choosing it for their own gain, whether we find uh, it to be reasonable or not. To me, I agree that the entire nine episodes of the Star Wars Skywalker saga focuses on the idea of free will and the constant struggle that each of us feel. Um, I mean, the, the criticism of the Star Wars movies uh, is that there's a constant um, regurgitation of the same storyline again and again, right? You have uh, the Death Star, and then you have the, the second Death Star uh, that has to be destroyed again, and then you have uh, whatever they called it in uh, The Force Awakens, which was essentially a, a third Death Star. Um, but similarly, you see this with Rey, and with Kylo Ren in the the sequel trilogy is they're dealing with the same internal struggle that Anakin Skywalker was. Um, are do you do you go to the dark side or do you go to the light side? How do you use that force? Um, Dean comments that this repetition is kind of like the repetition we find uh, in, in the Bible in some ways, right? That that Isaac was, was digging Abraham's wells, uh, that, that we, we re-perform the same acts that our ancestors performed and we walk in their footsteps and struggle with their same struggles. The question is, uh, do we fully walk in their ways or do we use their footsteps to eventually form our own path? Um, Ray felt heard the, the, the dark side as well, and, right? And, and I actually would have loved, from a moviegoer point of view, I would have loved The Rise of Skywalker a lot more if the movie ends with Ray turning evil, right? If, if Ray becomes a Sith Lord, because that would have been a b- much better story. I don't need the happily ever after in Star Wars. But I think it's also, not everybody can, can be redeemed and not everybody can, can t- turn good. I think the belief that we can, and, and the belief that we can turn good again, the belief that we can return uh, to do tshuva, to repent, uh, no matter what we've done in the past, the fact that we say each and every morning, Elohai Nishamash and Atata Vita Horahi, thank you God for giving me a pure soul and for in doing so, giving me a clean slate, the fact that we bang our chest three times a day in the weekday Amidah, not just on Yom Kippur, and say, Salach lanu vinu ki chatanu, forgive us for we have sinned and transgressed, and we have that clean slate. That's the power of the lives that we live, uh, that we have that power of redemption each and every day, that no matter how much we are influenced by the dark side, that we can still return to light. That, to me, is the essence. Uh, Anakin had to... Right, that, that's, that's the interesting thing about tshuva when we talk about tshuva as an essence of the high holy days. In order to do tshuva, we have to acknowledge that we are all flawed. We have to acknowledge that we have all sins. We have to acknowledge that there's a bit of each of us that is, uh, has at least dipped our toe in the dark side. And um, we need to sin in order to be redeemed. We need to transgress in order to do tshuva. We need to experience the dark side in order to return to the light. Right, but 
one of the challenges I have with uh, with with the way you know redemption and forgiveness works in the Star Wars universe is that it's it's somewhat cheap, right? So uh, so Darth Vader, Anakin, at the end of Return of the Jedi, you know, uh, is presented as though he does chuva, um, but the but the challenge is that that the that the sins that he commits are are you know sufficiently have sufficient gravity such as to suggest that you know it would be impossible for him to actually do chuva for them right the the annihilation of an entire planet the uh the the genocide of the jedi um the murder of of children uh you know and and you have the same thing with with kylo ren in in at the end of uh rise of skywalker uh that uh you know that that you know you're 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 meant to root for his redemption uh, but it, you know, it's, it's somewhat cheap redemption. Like he, he makes amends with Ray. He like, he ultimately comes around and like, and does an act of good, but it's not as though that that one act of good outweighs all of the acts of bad, uh, that, that he had previously committed. Right. Maimonides in talking about, uh, in talking about the laws of Chuva, you know, says that every person should essentially consider themselves, um, as, uh, as, as always perfectly balanced. Right. Uh, they, that they should uh, see themselves as uh, entirely balanced with good and bad, and that their whatever their next deed is is the one that could tip the scales one way or the other. But what if you are the kind of person that doesn't have an even balance sheet, and clearly doesn't have an even balance sheet, right? That you are the kind of person that has you know murdered innocents and committed genocide, right? Does your next act of good, however significant an act of good that might be, then rebalance the scales? Um, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's an equal balance sheet, um, but I would. But at least rabbinic tradition teaches that nobody is so extreme to the right. Uh, or to the left, um, right? Masechet Rosh Hashanah, when talking about being written into the book of life or, uh, or the book of death, says that not even Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Not even Moses was righteous enough to be written and sealed immediately in the book of life. And not even Haman, not even Haman was evil enough to be written and sealed in the book of death. So if if the rabbis are intentionally um, citing these two examples of that, that we you know, hold up as examples of, of good and evil that they ha are, are struggling with that balance, um, then I, I think it, they're, what they're at least trying to teach is that that's what all of us struggle with, that we all have the potential to do good and we all have the potential to do bad. Um, we all have uh, the Yetzirah Hara and, and the Yetzirah Tov. We all have that evil inclination and that good inclination. The question is, for all of us, really, what do we do with that? What Rambam says when he talks about Chuba, what Maimonides says, is it's if we're put in the same situation a second time, do we do things differently, right? And that's what we find with Kylo Ren at the end, right? Kylo Ren chose to change his ways. That's what we found with um, Darth Vader at the end, with Anakin, that he chose to change his ways. It's acknowledging that they sinned, there's knowledge that they did wrong, but in some ways, it, because you've done wrong, you have more of an opportunity to do right. It's, it's sort of why uh, so many people uh, find God in prison, right? That, that, that the chaplaincy system um, 
and our, our presentism is a powerful one. Uh, a dear friend, a member of our community, Rabbi Hilly Haber, uh, spent some of her time as a prison chaplain. And part of the, the, the powerful nature of prison chaplaincy, I've only done a little bit of that while I was in rabbinical school, is that it's once people have truly hit rock bottom and have experienced that they're not finding the light from their darkness, that the selfish nature, nature of their ways isn't soothing them anymore. It's only then that they realize that they need to go in another direction. You know, it's, what's interesting is I, I did a little bit of prison chaplaincy when I was in rabbinical school. And what I found when I was doing it is that every single person I met uh, felt like they were uh, there, uh, uh, that they were wrongfully accused. Right, that they were so that was somehow a mistake that they were there, or that it was a you know a, a conspiracy that they were there. Where I, where I, I do have to acknowledge, there are plenty of those that that are also in our prison system, though. Right, um, where, where I, that that is definitely true. Right, that that is definitely true. Uh, so it's not it's not as though that they you know all of them were uh, wrong about that. Um, where I did see what you're describing though is when I worked in in, in addiction recovery, um, where there were there were people who were. Who, who had actually hit rock bottom and, and you, know, um, you know, deeply regretted uh, where they had been in their life and, and wanted to transform their life and, and turn it around. And, and for them, you know, it's, it's not, you know, what, what you get, this is what you get in the movies is this, you know, sort of like dramatic act of redemption. Um, but for them, it's not, a, it's not one dramatic act of redemption. Um, it is a lifetime of like little acts of redemption of just reclaiming a normal life. I mean, there, there are some um, redemptive acts that have to go along in the process of seeking people's forgiveness and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but, but it's really a lifetime. And that's actually, I think, one of the um, un unspoken challenges of, of Rambam's, of Maimonides' uh, laws of tshuva, where he says that, you know, that you know you're a Baal tshuva, you know you're a master of redemption. Uh, or, or repentance, if you're in the same situation that you were in when you committed a sin before and you don't commit that sin again. Uh, but there, there are two things that Maimonides doesn't acknowledge there, but I think are, are unspoken truisms. One is that you're never the same person in the same situation twice. And two um, is that uh, just because, even if, you, even if it were possible that you were, could be the same person in the same situation twice, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a Balchuba because the next day you could be in that situation again. And the day after that, you could be in the situation again. So it's, a, it's an- And am I not doing that evil act because I know what the consequences will be? Or am I not doing that evil act because I don't desire to act right. in that way? Right, right. That's, that's something that Maimonides says explicitly, right? And that, that, that calls into question uh, Darth Vader's Chuva uh, for certain, right? Because he, you know, he, he commits- he commits his, uh, uh, his redemptive act uh, when, his, when his life is essentially imperiled, right? He knows he's about to die uh, if he, uh, it, when, he, when he goes and kills the emperor. Uh, and, uh, and so it's, a que it's questionable, you know, whether that, you know, if you were in his full vigor uh, and, and could have just taken the emperor's place, would he have, would he have done that? Sure. Um, well, well, that's what's powerful about um, Vader's act of redemption. Um, I sort of see it with uh, elected officials that you really know how an elected official feels when you see what policies they're willing to fight for and they're not running for re-election. Uh, yeah. that, that, that when somebody, whether it's on the local level, the state level, the, the federal level, when they're running for re-election, then 
every every politician, right, they're balancing what do I need to do in order to get reelected and get supported by my constituents versus what do I need to do that I believe is right and just. And very few are willing to ever say, we see this in, in our own reality, this is what is right and this is what is just, and I'm willing to fight for that even if I lose the election, um, where Vader was in a situation where he wasn't looking to move up. Uh, he knew this was the end, and he did what he did knowing it was the end for him not looking to, to get a promotion. That's interesting. I, w- I want to ask a question. And, and by the way, uh, those of you who are in our studio audience, please feel free to uh, send in questions over chat. Um, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, this sort of uh, uh, metaphor of the, of, of the force. Uh, and, you know, if we're, if we're to understand, if we, if we think about the force as a, as a metaphor or analogy for God, does that mean that uh, that in the same way that the force has a light and a dark side, that God has a light and a dark side, um, uh, or is uh, is you know is darkness uh, in the force an absence of the light, uh, or is it a, a power that is uh, you know as, as strong as and in opposition to the light? And in the same way, right for evil and God, darkness and God um, is is that. Uh, an absence of God's presence? Is it, uh, is it a power in opposition to God? What do you, what do you make of that? You know, I, I think um, the, e- even if we look at Torah, it's a little bit uncomfortable with this. Um, one of my favorite examples, when we look at the Pesach story, the Passover story, uh, the Israelites are told to put blood on their doorposts. Uh, and, and what we were taught, at least as kids in Hebrew school, is so that God will pass over their homes. Uh, and will not smite their firstborn sons. But if you look at the text of the Torah itself, it's actually not God who does the smiting. God uh, is there, uh, but it's this mashchit, the Torah says, this destroyer, uh, essentially the malachamavet, the angel of death, who the, the Bible brings in uh, to do uh, the bad stuff. God, if God sees the blood on the doorpost, protects those homes and makes sure that the angel of the death doesn't enter. Um, we, we find this a lot in, in rabbinic commentary. Um, the most notable uh, notion is uh, in, the, in the Tanakh when we look at the book of Job and we see whether or not, um, you know, why is Job being tested by God? It's because um, Satan, the adversary, uh, right? That's where the word Satan comes from. Um, Satan is the English translation of Satan, the the other side of the coin who tries to, the other uh, sort of... The accuser, the, the accuser, accuser, I usually think, yeah. The, 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 the semi-divine being who tries to test God and convince God that uh, humanity aren't really God's partners. Um, Right, we find a lot of rabbinic commentary that suggests it was Satan who convinced God to put Abraham to the test to sacrifice Isaac because um, he didn't believe that Abraham was actually uh, truly committed to the cause, committed to the covenants. Um, and I, I see, uh, I see one of member of our studio audience. I believe Scott put a Star Trek character uh, to to uh, to uh, compete. A Trekkie versus Star Wars fan, um, but for for me, um, I, I think I have a hard time believing that God is responsible for evil in this world. I have a hard time believing that God is responsible for what is um, 
challenging in this world. Um, Harold Kushner, right, in his text, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, which, by the way, is very intentionally not why bad things happen to good people, but when bad things happen to good people, it's acknowledging that reality. He explains that the world we live in is a world of chaos, that chaos is actually the default. Uh, and uh, God is actually the calm that we sometimes feel in that world of chaos. Uh, that I feel this a lot now, that the default is actually the dark side. The default that we're feeling a lot right now is a sense of darkness. Uh, especially if you watch too much news like I do, especially if you spend too much time on Twitter. Um, th there's a lot of, of, of darkness that, that we feel. And yet when we have darkness, the slivers of light, the light feels a lot more powerful and a lot bigger. That, that light illuminates a lot more when there's darkness. And so in some ways, if we see God as a sense of calm in chaos, that sense of calm radiates a lot more um, for, for me, I almost see the dark side as totally separate from the force. It's almost a way that somebody is trying to uh, corrupt or co-opt using the, the, the force. It, it is the accuser. It's Satan. It's trying to convince the force to do something other than what the force is meant to be used for. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I mean, it's, you, you raise some really interesting points there. I mean, I think that, you know, uh, what, what you say reflects my Jewish theology, but not necessarily my Star Wars theology. Um, so I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know I'm, I, I'm very influenced by Kushner in the same way that you are uh, and, uh, and, you know, and, and, and believe um, at, of, of the darkness of chaos, of, of evil as, uh, at, you know, as, as what happens in the absence of, uh, of God's presence. Um, but I do think about um, the, the notion, the understanding of God within Jewish mysticism, that, that God uh, is manifest in, in the world or is accessed in the world through uh, a number of different attributes. And as I think about those attributes, I think that, you know, that they have the capacity for good as well as harm, right? So, uh, so you know, one is that God's, you know, um, highest attributes uh, are, um, are uh, chokhmah and bina, right? Wisdom and understanding, right? Uh, but there's a way in which you know knowledge in this is born out in Star Wars, right? Um, you know, some of the some of the most knowledgeable, some of the uh, most wise people within Star Wars are are also the villains. Uh, uh, of course, that's also true in the opposite direction. That some of the wisest and some of the wisest uh, wisest and some of the most knowledgeable are are the heroes too, right? So if you think about um, you know Palpatine and um, and Yoda, uh, you know, both are very knowledgeable about the Force. Uh, just one channels that knowledge and that wisdom for good and focuses on the ways in which it leads toward good, uh, and, and another channels it uh, and utilizes it in a way that's going to lead for, for power, right? So you think about uh, other attributes of God within, uh, within Jewish mysticism. Um, you have God, uh, at God as, uh, as loving. Um, well, you know, um, uh, Anakin's turn to the dark side uh, is in part due to love because right. he loves Padme and, and, you know, wants to be with her and Jedi are forbidden from having uh, those kind of attachments, right? So um, it's, it's, the same, it's the same quality, right? It's a divine quality, but it's, uh, but it's, but it's how it's used and how it's channeled and how it's accessed. You know, uh, Gura, power is an attribute of God within Kabbalah, right? Uh, which can be an attribute that's used for justice, um, or it can be an attribute that's utilized for dominion. 
So I, that's that's kind of the way that I think about the the light and the dark sides of the force is that it's is that it's all the same force, right? But you have the but depending on the point of view and the desire of the user, um, it can be channeled uh, for good or for or for evil. Um, I I see that all the time. But right, but way. potentially then either can be right. What what another comment that um that one of our, our listeners that Dean points out is that. Uh, what the dark side wants is order, but not necessarily evil. And what the light side wants is freedom, which often can be messy. Neither are necessarily right or wrong. Um, it's sort of how we use what we have that it's, it's the person who takes um, what they're trying to do and creates something that has a potential to be good and turns it into evil. Something that has a potential to be evil and turns it into something good. Right. I talked about this on the high holidays this year. You know, we, we're, we, it was 2019. So we were commemorating uh, the, the 400th anniversary of the first um, African uh, enslaved Africans being brought to uh, the colonies that would become the United States of America, um, which happened to be in Virginia. Uh, and, uh, and I talked about how, you know, new uh, research and new understandings of what was going on at the time, uh, you know, really kind of point to the role that religion uh, played in the enslavement of Africans, uh, in particular, something called the doctrine of discovery. And uh, and I said, you know, like like I see the places in the Bible where you could point to and say, like, religion sanctions this and maybe even commands it. Um, but what I'm saying is that you have the capacity, that everybody has the capacity to read religion in a way that leads toward domination and towards subjugation and towards uh, violence and brutality. And you have the way, uh, a, a path of reading religion that leads toward uh, freedom and, and, and love and justice and, and peace. Um, and how you choose to access and apply your religious faith is a choice that every individual user has to make. It's the lens that you bring to your faith and to your tradition that makes all the difference. It's not the, it's not the tradition. So it's not God god's self it's what you choose to do with your faith right it's, it's as dr king used to say just because something is legal that doesn't mean it's right, right. um that, that there that there are plenty of things uh, in our country today that are are legal whether they are passed into law and signed into law or whether they are by executive order um that doesn't mean that they are that they are are right uh and i think the role of um, the person who uses the force, um, they're the ones who mold it and shape it into it being uh, used for, for justice, for righteousness, for good, for chesed in this world, or uh, all too often um, for their own selfish gain. Uh, what was powerful, you and I disagreed about this when we talked about it uh, on a previous episode, but about the end of The Last Jedi, the end of episode eight, where you see... Um, uh, the the uh, homeless orphan child um, who uses the force to grab the broom as he's sweeping uh, the floor. And it seems to suggest that uh, while the prequel trilogy was very specific, that the force and one's connection to the force is genetic in nature, uh, this suggests that everybody has the power to do good. Uh, right. It's, it's the prequel trilogy was taking the idea of nature versus nurture and saying it's all about nature. It's all about who we are and it's all about who our ancestors are. And that determines whether we are good or bad. Um, and then you, you have uh, 
those who, in the, in the sequel trilogy, which suggests it's all about nurture. It's all about who we surround ourselves with uh, and uh, our community and our actions. And that's really- the, the until, J.J. Abr- until J.J. Abrams retconned it. Right, and until J.J. Abrams <laughs> changed it in, in episode nine. Um, but I think that, that really speaks uh, Judaism, as opposed to Christianity, for example, doesn't believe that the sins of parents pass down to, to children because we are each our own person. It's not nature. It's, it's nurture. It's not the genetics that make us who we are, although there are complications in the Bible which suggest otherwise, right? To- being told we need to blot out Amalek and that sort of thing. But rabbinic theology, which is what Judaism is, not biblical theology, suggests that um, that that it that we each are our own person and we each have the ability to shape who we are. Um, b- before we wrap up, I, I want to throw out there, Mike. Uh, one of my favorite midrashim uh, comes from Avotei Rabbi Natan uh, and, and says that a person is only born with the Yetzirah. A person is only born with the evil inclination. And it's only once they become 13 years old do they acquire the Yetzirah Tov, the good inclination. Uh, and he's very intentional about that, suggesting that, well, when you're 13, you become bar mitzvah and you um, are then obligated for your own actions. Traditionally, um, a parents say a blessing, which they, they, they say, Baruch Shepetharani, where they say, uh, I am free from responsibility for this one. This kid's on their own. If only that was true when a child became 13. Um, but, uh, but what I think about the Rabbi Natan is getting at is how much we each need to be taught how to do good. And, and it's kind of crazy for, if we look at this, um, th- this, um, food chain that we're on the top of, how dependent we are on our parents, where every other animal, the child, the, the, the animal is born, and then within minutes, maybe days, that animal gets sent off on its way by its parents and is now on its own, and is totally on its own to live um, life and to, and to find their own food and to do their own thing. But we care for our children uh, well into their adulthood. Um, and we're constantly and continuing to teach them between right and wrong, even when they don't want to hear it, we're still trying to teach them between right and wrong. Um, and I think the, if we accept that our default is to do wrong because we have to be taught how to do right, I think that's a much better way of seeing what the force is, that the default is the temptations of the dark side. And we all have to use the force to do good. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about uh, the, those ideas of Yitzhah Tov and Yitzhah a lot lately, especially, in, you know, through my experience of, of raising children of my own, um, at, you know, in, in much the same way, you know, that, uh, that thinking about the Yitzhah not as the bad inclination, not as the evil inclination, uh, but as the inclination to selfishness, um, to self-centeredness. And the Yitzhah Tov is the inclination not to good, uh, but the inclination to uh, self-transcendence or to selflessness, right? And I think that that, you know, kind of plays out in, in the Star Wars universe too, that, uh, that, that the dark side um, is really about uh, power and control and, and, uh, and, and you know, and, and, uh, and acquisition uh, for, for, you know, the individual wielder, right? And that at least in theory, the light side um, is about the, the general welfare and the, and the, and the, greater good. It's also arguably 
Um, that's the argument that Luke Skywalker makes. That's the argument that Ahsoka Tano makes in, in uh, Clone Wars and Rebels. That the Jedi, in a, in a sense, you know, lost their way in that, right? That their that their uh, that their belief about their goodness um, was was inherently selfish. Uh, that they that they you know saw it as self perpetuating, and uh, they saw themselves as the ultimate good, which was um, uh, which which blinded them to the the, the dangers that existed. Um, and so I think that that's also I think worth noting um, that uh, that that even our uh, uh, our, our, you know, pursuit of of the good, of of selflessness, of self transcendence, um, has danger within it too. Um, that it can that it can also lead to hubris. That it can also lead uh, down down dark paths as well. So before we conclude, Jesse, uh, why don't we just wrap up with with one question, which is, um, what is your biggest Star Wars? Don't at me, right? What do you what do you uh, what do you what belief do you hold about Star Wars? That you that is so deeply unpopular that the internet is going to rage if they know that you uh, hold that opinion. Uh, for me, Solo is a great movie, and uh, actually up there, I, I like it uh, better than some of the movies as part of the Star Wars saga. I think because Last Jedi got bad reviews. Um, Solo bombed at the box office and people didn't want to see it. But if you look at it on its own, if it wasn't a Star Wars movie, by the way, it would be a great movie. People judge it to a higher level because it's a Star Wars movie. Uh, but it's a great movie. The If you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, I'm uh, about to reveal a, a fun ending that when Darth Maul comes back at the end of the movie, that's amazing. And, and they, and they so bring good. him back uh, into... Uh, the, the the Star Wars Skywalker saga as a result, but that for me, uh, Solo is a great movie. I actually think that Rogue One also is one of the best Star Wars movies. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, all right. What about you, Mike? Oh, so so here's okay. So this is gonna be you know this is gonna ignite uh, controversy and fandom. But uh, one of the things that I was thinking about saying, and since you said your thing, I'm gonna say this: that um, I did not care for Rogue One. Uh, at all. Uh, I think that the last maybe like 10 minutes of it were great. Uh, you know, seeing Darth Vader in action was awesome. Uh, and like, that would have been a great YouTube to watch. Uh, and the the rest of the movie was, was basically, well, I don't want to be so harsh as to say it was basically garbage, but it was basically garbage. Uh, and, and here's another one for you. Okay. I'll just give one more. Um, if we can take a new hope, and Empire Strikes Back off the table, okay, for a second, as like, what are the best Star Wars movies? Uh, because like, obviously, those are going to be. Um, then beside that, The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie ever made. Uh, it is just uh, a riot from start to finish. It is exciting. It is powerful thematically. It is on target. It takes the series to in bold new directions. J.J. Uh, Abrams, I think, completely destroyed it with Rise of Skywalker. Uh, and uh, and and you know, I, I wish I could see uh, Ryan Johnson have completed the trilogy and see where where he you know. Uh, I know this is never an option that was on the table, but I would love to see where he would have wanted to take the trilogy. It looks like Colin Trevorrow's uh, Duel of the Fates, the script that was tossed out. Uh, in favor of uh, bringing J.J. Abrams on board um, would have kind of taken it in that direction. Uh, but that's what I'm going to say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thumb in the eye of Star Wars fandom out there and say Last Jedi was great. All right. Well, I will leave it at that. Um, 
and uh, hope you all in this struggle that we constantly have, um, where we are tempted to turn to the dark side, um, but but uh, instead uh, we, we we choose light. I think this is a, a uh, personal struggle on a daily basis for me. Not that I, I'm struggling to do evil, um, but but really to um, I, I'm struggling to to find good in in the world these days. To find blessings. To find things to that, that, that I find value in, things that, that I can look forward to, things that I believe uh, remind me that, that there's still so much good in the world. One thing that I found, uh, Some Good News, the YouTube show by John Krasinski that he puts on weekly where he chooses to focus on. You can look at it on YouTube. It's amazing. He focuses on and highlights all the good that's going on in the world right now. Uh, we watch it with our, our kids every Sunday evening after it comes out. It's a, it's a real reminder for me of all the good that still uh, exists in the world and that we're not being taken over by this evil empire and that there's still uh, wonderful good that the force is still strong with so many of us yeah i want to i want to up some good news but, but also i want to say you know listen there's plenty of good star wars content out there so at least there's that in the world in which there's star wars it can't be all bad and you know what star wars points out is that there is an ongoing battle between uh light and dark between good and evil uh, but the trajectory of the saga, like the trajectory of history, as King pointed out, and I really believe is true, um, is that good ultimately triumphs, that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Uh, and that, uh, and that uh, while darkness may for a time prevail and may reemerge, uh, light will ultimately triumph. Um, and as and so long as we, we have uh, hope, right? As Rabbi Yitzchak Greenberg says, um, that the greatest gift the Jewish Leia says. Uh, right, and Rabbi Princess Leia says, uh, right, you're, you're my only hope, Obi-Wan. Um, but but uh, Yitz Greenberg says that uh, hope is the greatest gift the Jewish people have given the world. Um, and we're talking about the, uh, the Exodus story and how the Israelites were enslaved for 400 years and had given up, and that's when God redeems them. That I agree with you, Mike, that as, as hard as things are and as dark as things seem at times, uh, we have hope that things will get better. Amen. So just like the daily Amidah, we will end on a note of hope. We will end on a note of, uh, of, of optimism and yearning for a brighter future. Uh, as uh, uh, we, we pray that uh, the force remains with you. And uh, as always, for this latest episode of Pop Torah, I am Rabbi Michael Knopf. And I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. Be well and uh, stay safe, everyone. May the force be with you.